Welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where we talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. I'm M. I'm Kareem. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms up. up. <laughs> well, my friend, oh, it's, oh, how's it going? There, I try to vibe through the cool. I love the place. Now I'm up. I'm a tight <laughs> Are you getting snow? Um, Just a little bit right now. Really? Um, it's, it's horrible. Like, it was 41 degrees, like, two days ago, and I was like, oh, my God, I got to go outside. Mm-hmm. It was freezing, but I did go outside. <laughs> Make it trick your friend. You <laughs> 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 see the sun outside, and you're like, Jesus, outside look nice, outside look festive, I'm going out there. Nope. <laughs> but it's funny how you guys are getting a lot of snow. Normally, the north is, like, pummeled by whatever system is going through. Like, I've been getting snow since at least 6 o'clock this morning. And they said it's supposed to go until like 9 p.m., like five to seven inches. Sometimes just coming out, like you could see it because I'm sitting facing the window. Like you could see it's, it's a mess. It's just a mess. And I'm already depressed. I don't got time. What else yeah, is it's coming up? What are you? I'm all right for the most part. Um, as usual, trying to have a lot, too much iron on fire, too many things. <laughs> <laughs> not enough time, not enough hands to do these things. And Everything feel urgent, but really, in reality, everything really isn't. And so trying to really prioritize, because I kind of suck at that and trying to learn how to delegate as well. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it's it's going. Yeah, I feel like one thing coming out of this pandemic is that we are gonna, we really need to now be able to prioritize, because everything just always seems urgent. Yes, and that's, that's where I'm struggling. Because I remember when I started, like, I can't tell you how many times I signed up for all these different... Um, webinars and seminars because I'm come out a mogul, I'm do this, I'm come out a millionaire for the next thing I this, I'm have 10,000 businesses and blah, blah, blah. And just I run myself ragged in other, in, right down in the earth. So I'm going to that. So now I'm really trying to like learn that, all right, even though everything outside is still chaotic, it doesn't have to be chaotic in here. So mm-hmm. trying to do that. And then also trying to like get mentally ready because my husband is doing having a major surgery. He has, I think, scoliosis. That's the curvature of the spine. Yeah. So oh. yeah, that. And um, in February, they're going to attempt to kind of like straighten it up so it doesn't keep getting worse. Um, so like getting mentally ready for that and the diff- and how that's going to at least alter our like relationship dynamic for the first, while he's in recovery, because God knows. I don't know. I hope all of that goes well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Every time I think about surgeries, like... I get a fair bit of anxiety, like you don't know which way it's gonna go. Right. But I'm trustful that it will. We'll be alright. Right. So we're back again and this week we have a special episode for you know Valentine's Day is coming up. So we're gonna talk about dating as queer and trans people of color, you know, dating in Jamaica, dating internationally, what's that like? And we have a very special guest with us today, uh, my dear friend Renee, who is a trans woman making waves globally, not just in Jamaica. Sis is doing it. So, Renee, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Up, up, (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Renee. (laughs) Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. (laughs) 
Big up yourself, Christelle, and Sam when I talk and so. It's been so long. Kareem, it's such a pleasure meeting you for the first time. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Big up Glenn Randland, wherever they are. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, I saw what you did there, Christy. Transferring <laughs> waves, girl. <laughs> I try to learn. So, before, before, before we get into it, Ernie, can you just tell the girls a little bit about what you do? Um in the advocacy so you know we can so the people them can know say you're qualified to talk about what we're talking about today okay well um it's still it's still kind of embarrassing to say i don't know why but for some reason in the new roles i'm currently the executive director of transit jamaica um started this month um and so my work is primarily around trans health and wellness um, and I'm also a trans woman, but uh, my pronouns are actually she, her, they, them. Um, so I identify more as trans feminine. Um, and, you know, I've been in advocacy for over 10 years, um, working primarily in sexual and reproductive health rights for women and trans people. And then, of course, moving over to, um, you know, just general LGBT and trans advocacy. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit about my background and my work. Um, and, you know, about to be finishing my degree as well in gender and development studies. And I'm hoping to be a gender specialist, you know, to do more work around gender <laughs> um, in its broader context. So, yeah. That sounds very festive, girl. We're embarrassed about HBIC, come, come. There's a new role. You know, it's getting used to it. Hey, man. It's soon find a footing. So um, I guess I can, I guess I can kick it off with a general question. Um, that we can we can have some conversation about, you know, what it what it is like dating as a queer trans person of color, a queer person of color. You know, uh, for me, it has been because because my coming out was such a process. You know, I I went through that whole phase of denying that I was attracted to men and then I came out as being gay and then uh, years later it was like three years ago I came out as being non-binary and then through through all of that learning about gender and learning about myself I now identify as a pansexual and I think it has been with each new with each new acknowledgement or yeah with each new acknowledgement of a part of me, I think dating has become significantly more difficult. Because that it was super easy for me when I was denying and when I was when I identified as being gay. It was very easy to find a partner. It was very easy to hook up. It was easy all around. So I so we want to we just pretty much want to explore what what it is around, you know, these different kinds of identities that makes it so difficult for us to find partners. So I don't know if, if any of you want to jump in on that. No, definitely. I think it's pretty much the same for me. Of course, getting older, um, your priorities change. And so, like, you know, when you're, when you're just starting off, um, like in the, dating, in the dating sphere, like there weren't, you didn't have as many requirements. And so, like for me, if I can, if I can be as, I'm hoping this is not, like PG thirteen type of ratings, but for me it was. Oh girl, let him out. Talk. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so for me it was the penis. It was it was the size of the day. It's all the good things. It's 
getting it when I could, wherever I could, and all that good things. You know, um, because up until I got to university, I was a virgin. So I was a virgin up until like 21. And so, listen, like, like, (laughs) (laughs) so those were, that was was my priority at the time. And of course, similar to you, I was, I wouldn't necessarily say denying, but I didn't have an understanding of what trans person was. Um, And that, of course, is because of, you know, it's Jamaican. The, the concept of, of trans or, or gender um, non-conforming people is relatively new, I suppose. Um, so while trans people have always existed, we didn't always have a name for it. And and so... And, right, I mean, right. And so even before, like, we had, for a lot of us, a trans person was a drag queen. Um, and for me, in those times, um, that didn't fit who I was. Right, based on the definition of what it, who I knew a, a drag queen was um, or is. And so it was after me coming to terms with the fact that I am trans and what that looks like, um, things started to get a bit more difficult. So like, you're right. So when you're when you're gay and you're you're a man, it's, it, to me, it's a lot more easier. Um, it's, easier to, it's easier to navigate. Um, but the instant you do come out as trans, it's almost as if you put, you're putting up barriers for yourself when it comes to relationships. Because what I've experienced since I've come out and since I've been, you know, living my truth and owning who I am, is that a lot of people fetishize trans women. And so it's not our trans people in general. Um, and so they don't want to date us, but they want to fuck us. And that's, that's, that's where it is. Um, and then, of course, even within the LGBT community, there, there's like inherent transphobia. Um, and so that in itself, you being trans, whether you're non-binary or trans feminine or any of the sort, that in itself is a turn off. Um, yeah. So that's another struggle, another barrier. And it's so interesting that you brought up the fetishization of trans people because um, I didn't expect it to be as prevalent here, but it's so widespread. Like I'll be on the app and the first question I get asked is, do you wear panties? And I'm like, what the hell, like, you don't know me from nowhere where I come and ask for that for? But then, and then it's, so it's, it's that or cross-dressing or something that has to do with the over-sexualization of being transgender. So I, I totally get that. Um, Karim, what about you? Um, I know you present as non-binary, but right. what is it like for you? I know you're married and all, but... I don't know, but still, like, it's it's interesting because before, and it kind of, like, before I got married, um, dating was, let me just be telling me, because, like, at one point I found myself, before, like, I came into all of this, like, I found myself really trying to lie about how I was presenting. Like, I didn't even know anything about masculine presenting, feminine presenting, blah, blah, blah. People just ask you, are you effeminate or are you feminine? Um, and when I quickly learned that that's not really a desirable trait, I would try to like lie about how I was presenting, right? But then I recognized that I couldn't keep up with the lie because people always clock you. Like, all right, they see you. And whether it was the nails or um, the pants or just how I was something, my aura, I don't know. It would, people would pick up and it would just be like, look, no, this is not going to work. So I learned that I, that's like, that's not one route that I wanted to take, but as a, I guess a, a more, um, 
I don't present as traditionally or stereotypically masculine. And so people, um, I was rejected a lot. And the ones that did kind of um, accept me, it was more so like on their terms. So we weren't necessarily going to be seen in public. Um, we weren't, we couldn't go on dates. Um, it, the invitation was always to their house. Uh, and I quickly learned that to their house just mean they wanted to just have sex. No, we just wanted to chill. No, we they wanted to have sex. And it was just, I don't know, it just wasn't sitting right for me. But I think for me, it became problematic because then I started to just accept any kind of affection as, um, I guess, acceptance, even when it wasn't necessarily as healthy or in the ideal situation that I wanted to. So, for example, I've dated some men that I knew that I didn't really... I wasn't really into them or I didn't really see a future with them, but because they were giving me attention in a way that I wasn't necessarily getting from other people, it felt like this was my only hope for lack of a better word, right? Like, okay, I have to go with this because it's like, this is as good as it's going to get. Um, and that's, and I, I keep wondering like, where does that, where does that come from where people would love to be with you in private, but in public, I mean, we know about the whole, like, I guess, the, stereo, the stereotypes and the um, the stigma attached to effeminate or non-effeminate um, um, queer persons. But I don't know, it used to mess with me. And it took me a while to kind of like get out of those situations. Like, no, uh, it's all right. Like you almost have to come to a point where like, look, for my own self, for my own de- dignity and integrity, I might have to just come to terms with just being single um, until then. Yeah, I, tot- I totally get that. Like, that's where I'm at right now. Um, because I've, I'm not going to lie, I've had some interest um, since I've been here, like men who are interested in me. But at the same time, I don't trust. It's like I, I, I have a distrust of them because I know as soon as I say to them, like, listen, I'm non-binary, it's going to be, you know, all cards are up, all bets are off the table. So... I totally get what Renee said um, about putting up that wall, you know, like you don't know which way it's going to go. And then there's just so much heartbreak a person can take and no more. Right. But one of the experiences that I wanted to share um, to what you said, Karim, about the whole hiding and not being able to go in public with them. Like I remember I was, me and this guy, we were talking maybe like a year ago, probably going on two years. Um, back in Jamaica, and we had talk good, good, you know, like good, good talk. Um, late night, early morning, people are said the right things, you know, we had the things them over the phone, pictures are sent, videos are sent, all them something there. Um, but then he said something to me. He said to me that he really likes me, but he doesn't want to be with me because he's not going to be able to support to support um, my my lifestyle in terms of the advocacy because I was out, I was an advocate, I was in the public space as a queer person, queer um, non-binary person, and that you know that that that, like, that really hit me so hard because I'm like, how messed up do we have to be as a society for you to know that you you are so into somebody that you can see yourself being with them, but you don't want to be with them just because of that one particular thing about who they are. Mm. And it's funny you bring that up because I remember, I was going to say last semester, I think it was last season, we had a conversation 
um, where Glenrock kind of brought up, brought up the idea of him being in the spotlight and what that would look like for his dating life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was forced to kind of reflect on my own thing too. Like, I'm not, well, I'm big in the LGBTQ advocacy here as well, but I often wonder, like, if I was not already married, would I, like, what would my dating life look like right now? And then just by looking through my other friends, the prospects would still, at least maybe because of where I'm geographically looking, it would look, it would still be very slim. So I'm wondering if Renee has anything um, as it relates to how her work and advocacy kind of, you know, puts her in the spotlight and what that might look like for your dating life. Or maybe I have a local one piece secure. I already said it to, to word both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> But you know, um, like I think, I think the work has definitely affected my dating life because I'm so public and open. Mm. It is harder to meet people, and of course, like I said, the people who are interested in me, which are usually cishet men, um, they're usually interested because they want to fetishize me. And so it's the same questions that Christy would get: it's, Do you wear panties? Are you gonna wear panties for me? Can I come over and and F you. You know, it's, it's, it's legit those types of conversations. It's as they message, it's a picture of their penis. It's, it's those types of things that usually happen. Um, but I think like for the community, and I want to say, I think within black communities, black queer communities, there there's almost like a criteria that you have to meet for people to be attracted to you. And so like one, it's you have to be slave more skinny or talk about it. what they consider to be you know the fit body mm-hmm. um two if you are there's there's this inherent form of what's the word i'm looking for um femphobia right you know, the community is heavily is definitely you know femphobic um and even when it comes to your very own skin color like if you are if you're a lighter skin then you're more attractive and so it's those contrasts that kind of add to whether or not you're able to date them. It's, it, you know, it might sound like it's something, you know, that should happen in the U.S. because, you know, the U.S. has like a, a, a large mixed population and, you know, it's predominantly white and all of that. It's not. But, but it's not. It's the very same in Jamaica. It's the same. It's the same types of conversations. People telling you that you're not attractive because you're not slim or you're not attractive because you're too dark. Um, and they can't date you. They will. They will have sex with you, but they just can't be with you. Um, or you're too real, as what we say here. Out here, you're mm-hmm. you know the two fam. So you we can't we can't be with you because you know you can't man it up and you can't tough it up, which has always been a conversation um, for me, even before coming out as trans, because I've always been feminine. Um, and so you know when you have all of that in addition to being like a public, you know, figure within the, the community and being recognized publicly, um, that in itself becomes another challenge. Um, and of course, you still, even though if you have people who are attracted to you, they might be attracted to you for the wrong reasons. So they, they assume we're rich because, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, we're working. The pink, the pink dollars, right? 
Right. So they see you, they see you go, going to school and getting a degree. They say, oh, you must be rich. And they see you, you know, traveling or they see you doing the work in like some international spaces and they assume, oh, your pocket must be deep. And so I'm okay with being with you because I can get things from you. And so like I am at where I think everybody else is at. Like, I, and it took me a while to get there where I realized that I deserve better and that I deserve love and I deserve someone who will treat me the right ways um, and the ways I should be treated. And so I'm completely okay with being single. Doesn't mean I'm not out here having sex because you know, yeah. I'm still alive. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get your piece when you need it, girl. But then right. I, love that right. I love that affirmation. <laughs> right. And so like for me is if men can get their quick fixes and discard people, which I'm not doing that. I'm not saying I'm doing that. But I'm, I can get my quick fixes too and then tell you to go home because, you know, oh, I can't. Yes, girl. Your Uber's right. out. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that is the energy I live for. That is the energy I live for. So, but Christy, you know, it's a years of me. And a years of, years of me, I do it. Like, years of me, you can't say, girl. Listen, yeah. <laughs> Listen it's, it's just sex. And I'm going to tell you, don't, sir, don't, don't come with a relationship thing. You know, you don't want it. You just want the sex. I want mm-hmm. it too. Let's get it over with and you can go. Yeah, like my cousin and I, we, we almost had a, a few arguments over that same thing because I was there for two months and I wanted to have sex. So I was on the app. I was, I was looking. Yellow and, and she was like, so what happened, to, what happened to the guy in Syracuse? Because I told her about the guy I hooked up with here before I went down. And I was like, what do you mean what about him? He's there. <laughs> He's in Syracuse, right? We're not, we're not, we're not looking for towards a relationship right now. But um, the, the, the whole idea of femphobia came up a few times since we've been talking about this. And it, it it's probably a bigger conversation that we are going to be able to have on this podcast today. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it makes us wonder if as queer people, because... As queer people, we we are we are different from society. That's that's just what queer queer means, right? We don't we don't fit in the status quo. But at the same time, we inherit or import and preserve a lot of the cis heteronormative cis hetero um, normative ways of life. So you know the whole masculinity versus femininity argument. We we know about that all too well. So in terms of femphobia, like I just think. That's the reason why in Jamaica it's prevalent, in the US it's prevalent, and I'm sure it's prevalent in a lot of other countries. So wherever men tend to be attracted to feminine presenting men or men who are, are, are sorry, are non-binary or trans women, trans men, or trans men who might be feminine presenting, it's usually about fetishizing, fetishizing them. You know, so it's, it's about getting them to dress up and to fulfill some kink that they might have. And I want to share two, two things that was said to me, one by a trans man and one by a trans woman. And I want to see where we can go with that conversation because it's super interesting. So I was courting a trans man mm-hmm. a while back. I was super attracted to him. Nice, 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 nice man. Would have married him, but 
I feel like me and you could talk after this. Can you for tell me what the <laughs> way you're talking about? Ah. <laughs> Girl, you're not going to open up my business. <laughs> but he said to me one night we were talking, he said gay men are not, he said gay men are attracted to penis, not men. Mm. Right? So there was, there was that. And then I was talking to a trans woman and she said gay men are attracted to masculinity. I don't agree with it because then I know too many gay men who are also attracted to what well, and I won't even say the femininity really is the penis. I feel like it really is the penis. Um, but I don't want to speak for an entire community that I'm not a part of. Right. But I'm sure for some people, it depends. It depends on the varying things um, for but for a lot of people. It really is the sex on the genitalia. Um, mm-hmm. And for some people, it's it's much more. It's the connection. It's the person. Um, it's who the penis is attached to. It's it's the person in general. Um, so what me, I mean, somebody like me, where where want to find love at some point, it's not just gonna be all about the sex. So me, I get old. I'm about to go around. I'm not can manage. So yeah. how we navigate that? <laughs> well, I also feel like a, a people like priorities. Like I like I can say for me, it was about the penis. It it really was. Um, like when I started out, but now it's it's so much more. Um, all honesty, the penis can stay. It's it's the companionship. It's the person. It's the it's finding love and finding somebody who wants me for me and who will treat me the way I'm supposed to be and who who I can treat the way how they are supposed to be treated. Um, but it may but, be different but, to somebody else. But what I, what I'm curious about at this point um, is how do we get a community of people who are so um, used to this sexual nature of being queer, and I'm using queer very loosely, um, how do we get the, the sort of change of mindset that would benefit people like us who are single and are searching for that kind of companionship? So, I mean, it's interesting you brought up those like two perspectives because there at one point in my life, I could be either or. And I think Renee said something very like important when the conversation just started about the idea of like, as you get older, your priorities start to change. And I'm definitely one of those individuals. And I have literally like a stark comparison between myself and this young guy that I'm trying to like mentor right now, who's like very um, effeminate, um, does not necessarily subscribe to any other traditional or stereotypical idea of what gay men and men in general should do, look and be like. And we were having a conversation just about dating and he is attracted to a certain, a certain, I don't know, like genre of men or like type of men, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the real, we call them hood niggas up here. Like it's real you know, rough and tumble, very like macho type. And at that age, I was definitely like, that was me, right? I was literally pray to God, like God send me a hood. God said, I was like, ooh, not that hood. I'm gonna take that prayer back. Because when I got it, I was just like, there's not much to it besides the penis. And there's like this R that you're attracted to. And I love it, right? I'm not gonna deny that. Like I, I love, um, masculinity because I've definitely seen like some trans men where I'm just like, who, baby, 
come. Like, let me be <laughs> what you need me to be for you. I don't care what it is. I don't care how we get. Let's Let me cater to you. Like, I remember one who's on my Facebook right now. Um, his name just slipped me, but it'll come back. Um, he came to my college and he spoke and I was just like, damn. And I added him to Facebook, found out he was married. And I was just like, lucky bitch. But, um, but yeah, at any point, like I could have been one of those individuals who was just like, well, it was never really about the penis for me. Cause I wasn't always that like sexual person. I craved a certain type of connection. Um, but yeah, the masculinity piece. I, I was there, um, and I'm now having this conversation with the younger guy who was just like trying to figure out. And I like I want to say to him so badly, like, look, baby, there is more to just that that kind of aura. Like I've been there; it wasn't all that. And I'm not trying to like say all of them are the same, but they. What I've recognized is that from the few that I've dated, as much as they want to be with you and they want to love you, there is something holding them back. Um, and it's the femme phobia for sure. It's definitely like navigating their own queerness and all of that. Like they're still in denial about that. I'm like, you'll never be able, you're not right, not right now at least. Not you'll never be able, but not right now. You're not going to find them. And the ones that are out are few and far between or everybody named upon them penis. And I want no problem. Um, but yeah. That, is that what they call the community dick? Community peen. Yep. <laughs> yep. The community peen. And like, it's, it's, it's like this constant, like, I don't know, it's a weird dance that you do when you're dating in the community. And unfortunately, people don't get to that stage of enlightenment, we could call it, where it's more about the, um, the, the connection than anything else. Because I was definitely one of those people who's like, I would not be a, a bi man because I'm not lose my man to no woman. I'm bad enough, I feel a fight man. I feel a fight man and woman feel me not do it. And then I got to a place where I was just like, that's kind of ignorant. Like that doesn't mean that, you know, that when you did a bi man, he's definitely going to be cheating on you and blah, blah, blah. That's right. with his character and less about his, bi his bisexuality. Um, I was definitely one of those people who was just like, um, me and a, me and my man not supposed to wear heels going at a party. Now I'm just like, no, like that has nothing to do with anything. Like I'm good with that now. So it's definitely um, somewhere as you learn more and as you kind of get older and that wisdom that comes with it, that people kind of come out of it. And not everybody even comes out of it because I've, people, I've heard people make some really ignorant remarks still and they're older than me. But unfortunately, I don't know if it's a process that we could rush or what education plan we could put to get to get people to kind of come away from those kind of thinking because it's definitely harmful to a lot of people without we don't that we don't even think about. But I think like we just say a while ago, the best the bisexual people them get it rough and mm -hmm. it's um I don't even think we can speak too much of their experiences. At some point I identified as a bisexual um but it's very much that, you know, women, bisexual men in particular who want to date women, they, 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 they're, they're having issues from that end because women, you know, think they're going to be cheating on them with men and there's the whole fear of contracting HIV, all these misinformed opinions about bisexual men and then when they want to date a man, it's the same thing. 
like make up your mind you can have both you know so right. I, I really do feel it for them and i hope we get to talk to one of them or two of them at some i definitely want to talk about talk to not talk, i want to talk to bisexual identified people and pansexual i want to have like pansexual people talk about their experience and i especially with like what's his name dalton that came um, out, yeah argument where people were just like um i literally was having conversations with multiple people arguments even where people would come to me um and these are like i guess heterosexual cishet people coming to me about what do you think about this guy I'm like what am i supposed to think he told you what he does and who he loves like what does it what does it matter to me you don't think he's just covering up the fact that he's gay and i'm like i'm pretty sure if he had he was bold enough to say that he would be bold enough to say <laughs> right. i'm gay um so that has nothing no 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 i well i'm just going to call him gay and i'm like okay so i had to really make it personal for them and i had to be like well if you love me and i told you that i'm gay would you come to me and tell me no 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 i'm going to just tell you that i'm bi or like some ridiculous thing i used with them i never like some of them were apologetic others were just like yeah, I always do that. I always try to come with the foolishness in game, game. I'm like, well, all right. If that's what you want to, if that's what you want to run with, then you run, you run with it. But let me just, you know, you can't tell me that you love me as your brother or whatever who I am to you, and then go around saying people saying things about people like who are like from the same community. So yeah, yeah. You know what I wanted to mention like quickly too. Um, which I guess is gonna. Well, you're both academics, so I'm sure you probably already had, you know, the conversations amongst yourselves. But in terms of like just how like our culture impacts how we are able to date. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like inherently black communities in, in particular because of the different things that we've been through um, and just how our societies are set up, like queer people can't date, you know, in the open or in the in in light. Um are in the same ways that cishet people are able to do it. Um, and so because of that, that is why we have the certain types of relationship dynamics that we have and why it's so difficult for us as well, because we also model our relationships based on not only like cishet relationships, but even even the whole, what is the um, the Western ideal of what a, a true relationship should look like, which is very, which is very white and looks a particular way. Right. Um, but that's the type of thing that we've kind of incorporated into our own communities. And so we can't go out and have a meal because, you know, people can't know that we're gay because being gay is like the end of the world or being queer is the end of the world. So, of course, the only thing we can do is to meet up and have sex. Right. But then it becomes less of like a meaningful relationship, but more so just really us coming together and hooking up. And right. so that's why our relationships generally don't last beyond a certain point. Um while I do know that, you know, a lot of queer people manage to be together for years, when I meet those people, like, I have to almost like, can I get your autograph? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like it's not existed. Uh, and so then you find out people get together, together for one week, and then they're broken up. And then I'm like, oh, child, that was fast. Or they meet today for tomorrow, and they're together the next day. And I'm like, oh, child, that's so fast. Why can't we date? But then, of course, you have to understand that, you know, culturally, it's kind of difficult for us to do that. And outside, like, the few of us who are bold enough and who say, you know, forget what everybody else thinks. I'm going to live my best life and live the way I want to. Not a lot of people are brave enough to step out, brave enough to step out and be, you know, that affirmative and brave and open. Yeah, and I guess on dating, um, especially in Jamaica, I don't think that's a big part of our culture. <clears throat> 
sorry, even with um, cishet relationships. Because I think dating, for me, I've only recently seen people talk about dating, you know, like dating multiple people at a time and all of them. So I'm like, okay, Jamaica is really, you know, stepping out into the light. Mm-hmm. But Renny, you brought up a very good point and I want to touch on it before um, we time up, culture. Um, and the Western, the whole idea of Western ideals of being queer and how that affect, affect our ability to date. Representation. Like, you know, I've, I've said it to Glenroy a couple of times about the, the kinds of, of um, campaigns that's running. I'm like, so girl, why, why we can't see two black couple? Why we can't see more? Why we can't see somebody like me and get posted on the Twitters and in something I know there's a very real concern about, and we, we, we said it a million times, that people are scared to, you know, make it public that they're gay or whatever not. But I want to, I want to if you can share quickly um, with us representation and what that means to you and how you think that has affected your ability, separate and apart from all the things that you've described to us already. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Well, from one, um, I think, so let's, so let's talk about the media. I think how the media has portrayed um, trans people in general is, is off-putting um, for the most part. Locally, um, when trans people are seen in the media, it's usually some very tough, thick men in, 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 in drag, basically. Um, and how they represent us is as if we're thieves and as if we're, you know, the dregs of society and we deserve to be cast it aside, which is not which is not the case for a majority of the community members that live here, right? Um, when we look internationally, usually a trans person represented in media is either a trans man, um, and if it's a trans woman, it's usually a white person. Um, and of course, usually when trans, trans representation is usually a white, a white person, if, if we're being honest. Um, and so outside of polls, I think, that you know did a really good job in terms of representing trans people, um, mm-hmm. particularly trans women in a specific light. I, I don't really necessarily think there are a lot of um, trans people of color being represented in media, and I think that's very damaging um, because you know we need to be able to see ourselves um, in certain spaces, and, and let's not even forget that trans people in general make up one of the most marginalized groups in the world. Like trans women die. There's so many trans women die every day, especially in the U.S. Because um, US, the U.S. currently has the highest murder rate for trans women in, in any other country in the world. Um, and so for trans women of color in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it becomes important to see us because then when people can see us, they can understand that we do exist and that we are deserving of the very same things that everybody else is. Um, and I, I don't know if you've seen the trend either. Like, I've been. No, I've seen it, and I can I can speak to it personally because before before I met before I knew you were trans. Because remember, I met you before you came out as trans. It was when I found out that you were trans that I started to look at trans people differently. Like, I was hella scared of trans people, mm-hmm. and I'm ashamed of it today. Like, but it was really because of what we were told about trans people right. and how they portrayed them in the media. So I, I, I perfectly get it. 
Listen, and then even within like global media, I've been noticing like a trend that I find very annoying. So like I said, if if they have trans people in their shows, it's usually a trans man, and then they're usually always, always gay. And I'm like, so the only reason you're gonna put a trans man into the, a show is to make them gay. So where you're trying to cover all their bases, like to me, it it's not necessarily like an accurate depiction of who like trans people are. And so while like, I love the point that they're bringing out that, you know, um, sexual orientation and gender identity are two different things, which is great. Um, I, I'm also thinking that more than that, they need to ensure that these representations are authentic and that they represent, you know, the broader scope of the community and not just because they want to make a quarter. And, and like, I mean, when we're talking about meaningful representation of like marginalized communities, then you definitely have to look at the communities who are always excluded. So black people are always excluded. Right, black queer people are always excluded, and there's this huge aversion of femininity when it comes to queer couple, queer people in general, um, in like TV shows. They're always masculine. They're always the football stars and the pros. And so then I'm like, so then, what's so wrong with having a femme, gay side character who is femme and real and fabulous and who who is not white? Yeah, that, that was. Yeah. I think that. I, I can only think of sex education. Um, oh God! The, 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 the black—I don't remember the character's name—but then much of his experiences was um, is what we've been talking about. You know, he's black, he's femme, and the only way he could have gotten any affection from a man was a closeted gay man, um, gay teen. White, yeah. White, <laughs> closeted gay teen. Um, so. Even when they try, even when they try, <laughs> it still falls back into the same narrative, right? So. I mean, for me, it's just really them diversifying the narratives now. Like, I'm sick of seeing the fabulous, like the effeminate black <laughs> gay man as the comedic element. Yes. Um, like, I'd like to see us be taken and not just a sidekick. So, for example, I'm thinking about, I don't know if you guys watch Tyler Perry's Sisters, right? Um, there's this um, gay man on there and he works at a bank. I'm like, all right, we don't all work at the bank. We all have, we, some of us have very powerful positions and so on. Um, but he's essentially like the sidekick to the bank manager who is a black woman. Um, and he's essentially doing all the dirty, messy detective work for the black woman who's experiencing relationship woes with a man that she's dating who isn't traditionally masculine because he wears panties. He has like these other kinks and fetishes that she has never seen. And so it's very troubling for her. And I'm great. I'm grateful that they're kind of addressing that, but at the same time, it's like the way they um, cast the black gay man as a comedic element. Or when you do black trans women, they're always sex workers. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, that's great. But some of them have actually, be, without any help from some of y'all, been able to break beyond that mold and are doing other things. Or even if they, we feel like they haven't, like we could still use the opportunity to tell a narrative that it's okay to have these black trans women in powerful positions doing this, this, that on the third. Um, right. They're not always with DL thug men um, from the hood, right? Um, and so even if I think the power of like storytelling is that we have the opportunity to tell different narratives. I remember when I saw like thriving black gay, a black gay couple outside of Noah and the Ark or Noah's Ark or whatever it was called. Noah's Ark, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Like that was good. Like even now people, like my friends are telling me that they look to me and my husband as kind of like, um, you know, what's possible for black um, gay men. 
And I never used to, I used to laugh it off, but now, now that I'm seeing and I'm more critical of the world, I'm just like, oh shit, got you. And it, I mean, it kind of puts a little bit of pressure because it yeah. can kick off, me have to pick and choose which one I'm a friend that I can go to because I have like a few friends, I'm like, him get on my nerves, I can't stand him. And what they hear, what they hear is, Jesus, please, you're going to lift him. No, you can't lift him. Like, <laughs> you, I use you guys as like the Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> it's it's almost like, yeah. Like, yeah. Representation yeah. and storytelling. Um, I, I just wish that there were, I was like, look, I might go into acting and hope that people would just like cast me to be kind of like the, that bitch that is very mm-hmm. well educated, that isn't just, um, yes, I love shopping. Yes, I make, um, yes, I love being around black women, but I also have like these other things. Like I navigate family issues much like everyone else. I navigate relationship issues much like everyone else. I have a good circle of friends just like everyone else, but those are some of the narratives. Like they tell the narratives now, but they're so pigeonholed by the, the I can't even call it the dominant one because they've made it really the dominant one, but by one type of story that is no longer true to us. Um, I know we're like running out of time, but I want to ask about like just the apps in general, like navigating the 1 million apps that now exist. I call them the yellow pages. Um, (laughs) My friend, like I was only looking at his home screen on his iPhone and the homeboy literally had like damn near every app on the phone. And I was just like, like I live vicariously through them, but at the same time, just like, how are y'all keeping up with the apps? I don't know. If, I don't know if it's different across any other apps, but I have a few. <clears throat> um, just because I've never tried some of them before, I was like, let me see if this is any different from a grinder or a tagged or a Tinder. So I don't know that a few more. Um, but it's 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 pretty much the same across all of them. I think the only one that has any marked difference in terms of the quality of people or the kinds of conversation that you have is Tinder. Okay. Um, but then at the same time, you still you still experience the same source of discrimination on Tinder. So when my profile didn't say I was non-binary and when I had more masculine presented pictures on my profile, I get more I got more likes. Right. But now that I was like, I'm not that person, I'm put my face up beat, I'm putting that I'm non-binary and whatever not, nobody swipes right. Mm. So it's <laughs> it's it's the same thing. And I I don't I don't know. So like when I'm really like in the mood for a hookup or anything, I just put up what I know they want to see. Right. So I can get my rocks off and move on. But outside of that. <laughs> you find the apps are accommodated? Go ahead, Renee. No, I mean, for me, I only have like three apps. Um, and like I haven't tried some of them. Like I've never tried Badoo and I think I've never tried like a few of them, um, which maybe I should. Uh, I recently tried Tinder. I actually love, I actually prefer the conversations on Tinder. I think they're far more mature. And they do awesome. Yeah, it's 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 not the first thing. Do you want to have sex type of thing? It's, it's you know, real wholesome conversations. Um, Grinder is not for trans people. I don't, I don't think Grindr is for trans people at all. I think... I don't know. I think there needs to be like an app for us developed, but until then, like I think trans people should just stay off grinder. Um, it's it really isn't for us. Um, I think where I get most of 
where right so where most men usually hit me up is usually untagged so for some reason and i don't know it's always the cis head yeah, man afraid afraid the man named pantag you know they like said some message before I left Jamaica, and I was like, "Me, nah, me, nah, no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no." They look like cutthroats, but I mean, yeah. And so, I don't know. I think it depends on the person, um, and it depends on the app. Like I don't, like I said, I don't think Grinder is for trans people. I think Tinder, Tinder is like a has a nice mixed space, and even if they don't necessarily want to date you, they will still want to have conversations with you. Um, which I find very interesting. Uh, tag is is really a hookup space, really. Like I think it's become a hookup space. Um, and so like most of the guys who do message, they really just want to hook up. But there's a lot of them, so that's a problem too. <laughs> so, but it's a perfect. This is a good opportunity, Dorene, that you brought that up. Um, to to look into see how we can actually get that app developed and off the ground for trans people. I think it's it's necessary. Oh, sure. It is. Because um, I was like, I guess one of my reasons for asking questions too is just trying to figure out how, app, who are these app developers that are trying to cater to the queer community? Are they, you know, like for us, by us type of situations or are they like heterosexual people trying to capitalize on what they consider a market or something? Um, or are we just like an add on to these other apps that already exist? Because um, I think that's one of the conversations that people are having is like, you know, there aren't, they don't necessarily make space for everyone. If it's just gay men, it's just gay men. Like Adam for Adam, Adam for Adam is old, but we know it was just for gay men. BGC chat was like, what, black gay chat? Or black, black gay, chat, yeah. Like that. Um, and so another, a lot of them don't necessarily make space for other people. And so when these other identities are interacting on the app, it's almost like, what are you doing here? Like who, you know, what, what, what? This is not for you type of situation. So, I mean, I think a trans app would, one that caters like the trans community would definitely be helpful. Um, I'm just wary of people going there again to kind of finding it as another opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's some some things you just just can't be helped. Um, But hopefully, who knows? Uh Uh-oh, what happened to Renee? I got lost her. Well, I was going to say we should wrap up now anyways. Wait. Yeah, I think so. But um, did we have more to cover? No, well, that, that, was, that was it. Um, okay. Really good. Okay. Need a really good points came up. Need a part to... I definitely... I'm putting it out there to the listeners. Like, anybody who... It identifies as bisexual and would love to come on and talk about your dating experiences. Um, we would love to hear from that. And I would love to hear more about like M's navigating, or well, forget our show, like dating with, hashtag dating with M or something, dating with Christine. <laughs> Just to kind of get more into these like nuances because I think there's so much more um, to cover. I think we're getting some space, um, we're making some progress, but there is still so much more to be made. And that's easy for me to say, cause like, married locked down power one man. And, but I've always like, there's always been a fear of mine. Like I'm not wishing relationship troubles or on my marriage or anything, but I'm like, if it is that it comes to that point, one, if it happens when I'm a thirties, you know, some, you know, spring chicken like that again. Um, 
But Megan the Stallion needs only about six months left and then before go <laughs> out. And then too, it's just like, you know, I'm thinking about where I was when I was dating, when I started dating to where I am now, where I see myself going and how dating only becomes much more complicated, the much more, the more visible you get. Um, but that's... Yeah, we never, we didn't touch, we didn't touch on the whole age factor. We know that's big in the queer community, so we definitely gonna need a follow up. Yeah, because I'm so once the past thirty and I eat that. <laughs> <laughs> but just to throw it up there to the listeners, my over thirty, I'm still nice. So if you know nobody, yeah, over thirty, I'm stop to lie. I'm 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 all of thirty two this year. My age drop off a yeah. Murder, but man, very <laughs> good friend. See, they should say it's not like me at all. <laughs> but you know I think we should also have maybe the conversation about because um, which I don't think we do a lot within our community especially if you're from Jamaica like I'm talking about interracial dating um, and what that looks like and I don't just mean white people for some reason when we think about interracial dating about black and white, for real. right and so like thinking about dating you know outside of our own cultures and stuff I'm a very Asian right now but my want Asian man to tell a little bad <laughs> You know, you're the first person. I have a few friends who are like very much on it, riding the Asia train right now. And Asian men are the best thing since sliced bread. Listen and listen. Just how they accept, how they want. Like it, it depends, of course, the Asian country. But like countries like Thailand and Japan and even Korea, just how they look at femininity, how they look at. Um, you know, queer relationships, even how they look at even trans people, is is worlds different from you know this side of the world. Like in no, really, in, I said too much. Yeah. I care about, but just get your episode idea. Yeah, come back. I may I bring back my next friend because another <laughs> <laughs> interesting conversation. <laughs> Listen, I mean, in Thailand, trans trans people, just particularly trans women, are incorporated in every facet of society. They own companies. They run businesses. They they they're lawyers. They're doctors. They're they're everywhere. Um, and just like one industry that's very big over there, they call it their bail industry, which is boy love, mm-hmm. trust, like um, action figures, TV shows, the works, like you would never believe. And because I'm thinking, oh, you know, they're Asian, they have strict social rules and all of that. But for some reason, they have completely embraced this whole um, notion of, you know, queerness and, you know, um, the whole boy love and even trans people. And it's it's just so much different than here. And even when they talk about cishet relationships, it's so much different. Like they, they value dating and seriousness and all that good oh, stuff that you just don't get to hear about. Everybody knows why Renee and Move go and she doesn't say I work. Renee said, we can't keep America, we can't keep England. I'll be going to Japan. I'm going to be like to Japan. Listen, I'll be I there. I love it. <laughs> oh my God. All right, ready. You just give me an episode idea and you're coming back because I reached out to my friend right after we're done. I'm going to tell you, like what do you need a follow up? M, I love this. That's so bad. This was, this was amazing. Thank you so much for spending time with us, Renee, for gracing okay. us, Jeff Gabby's I'm glad that we were able to have this moment, this session. Um, like I said, I've been following your work. Um, with Transwave JA and some of the stuff that they share on Equality JA and so on. And just love how you guys are being um, very creative and thoughtful and intentional with your programming and your education and all that one. So 
keep up the good work. Um, Executive Director HBIC and so on. I wish you all all the nice best. Things. <laughs> Thanks and thank you both for having me. It was so much fun. I'm hoping, you know, that you'll call me back for sure. For oh, sure. no, no, no. <laughs> right, I'm ready to talk anytime. So thank you. And to our listeners, hopefully you enjoy this conversation in time for Valentine's Day. Whatever you do, be safe. Um, you know, like going over there. No, man, here they. Hello, sir. I'm still, I'm still wrapping up. You could just tell us to them sit like plagues, like boy. Literally every episode, Renee. Every episode, there's something, there's something. Anyways, <laughs> the listeners, I'm not supposed to use to this guy now. Um, a big yard, me living there. <laughs> so you know, um, whatever you do, as Glenn said, wipe it down before you put it in your mouth. Be safe, cause COVID still are going out there. Um, until next time, please uh, remember to like, share, subscribe. Um, we're on at Fishy Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. And if you want to send us a comment or future episode ideas, you can email us at fishtpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for your support. Uh, We will see you next time. Bye.